We are less than 24 hours away from a 25 basis point hike from the FOMC, but other than that, we are still in a world of uncertainty. It's becoming clear that China has an increasing COVID problem and those lockdowns might not be without good reason. We'll look at that today. China's equities continue to fall because of that and because of the question mark over China's involvement with Russia. Six-hour marathon talks went nowhere. And could China be trying to buy oil in one now? How many moving parts do you want to all of this? All this uncertainty isn't helping the Aussie dollar, that's for sure. It's Wednesday, the 16th of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, equities in the US and Europe don't seem to agree lately. If one's up, then the other one's down, and that is certainly the case today. US equities are up at close. We've got a 2.9% rise in the Nasdaq, 2.1% for the S&P 500, 1.8% for the Dow. Whilst in Europe, everything is down, although not by much. The biggest is a quarter percent fall in the FTSE 100. The CAC current is not far behind that. The real moves, though, have been in China. The CSI 300 down 4.6%. The Hang Seng has lost 5.7%. The Hang Seng has lost 40% uh, from its peak earlier in the year. No big moves in bond yields today, just one basis point up for 10-year Treasury yields. Two years were down three basis points, but they've regained all of that. 10-year bond yields are down four basis points. In Australia, 10 years are up six basis points. In New Zealand, they were up 10 basis points to 3.1%. I would think that might actually be a five-year high. They're back down to 3.0%, now, I should say. And a small move up in the US dollar. It's up 0.4% on the Swiss franc. The Aussie dollar was down a little. Now it's up 0.1%. The pound up 0.3%. The Canadian dollar up 0.4%. And oil today, big falls. A 7.1% drop in WTI, 7.4% down for Brent. Both down below $100. Uh, Brent got down below 97.50 earlier on. Uh, and yesterday, well, the reasoning for this was... Uh, for this fall in oil uh, was that, you know, there was the hope that there was going to be some sort of Ukraine resolution plus less demand from China because of the uh, the lockdowns. I think it's the same again today. Let's ask Nabs Ray Atwell in, in Sydney. I mean, these are even bigger falls and it's not just oil, of course. Iron ore is on its way down as well. So all of that's sort of pointing that actually out of those two, it's probably the uh, the falling demand from China, which is driving commodity prices, isn't it? Yeah, good morning, Phil. At, uh, I think there's quite a few moving parts to, uh, to oil. We've still, you know, the backdrop still seems Seems to be this um, optimism, forlorn or otherwise, that um, you know talks between really? uh, Rus- um, Ukrainian President Zelensky and, uh, and and Russian counterparts is going to yield uh, some sort of uh, prospect of, a, of an early cessation of hostilities. But um, uh, Vladimir Putin has been out, I think, in the last few hours, saying that uh, Ukraine is not serious, um, you know, about getting a resolution here, and I think that's the reason that we have pop back up above $100, having been as low, I think, as you said, we were to about $97 at one point. But um, but yes, certainly there is concerns that, uh, you know, notwithstanding some upside surprises on yesterday's raft of uh, February China activity data, whether you look at industrial production, retail sales, or fixed yeah, asset investments, really they're all stronger yeah. than expected, although in, in absolute terms, they're still consistent with the slowing economy. Um, it, it does seem also that, you know, looking at the entrails of them. There's certainly a, a degree of sort of government uh, support, whether that's in infrastructure or, um, you know, whether even in some of the services numbers you know, do reflect government purchases, for example. So I think they may be giving a little bit of a, a misleading uh, impression. And obviously, we've had yet more news of, you know, large cities going into lockdown. We had another one yesterday morning. Um, the, the reported Omicron cases of, what, 5,000 and something is the highest since the 
since the start of the pandemic. So I think concerns that uh, you know China is is really struggling to uh, to improve it, its overall economic lot here. Um, is, is certainly a factor. Yeah, and not, not without good reason, because they've got low vaccination rates. So there was a, a, a piece, piece of analysis by the FT showing in Hong Kong, because of low vaccination rates, one in 20 cases is ending in a fatality, which is higher than it was in the UK, even before vaccines came over, at the worst. So that's how bad they've got it. And in China, the uh, the vaccination rate is only slightly better on the mainland than it is in Hong Kong. So that sort of explains all these concerns, doesn't it? It's not just with zero COVID. It's actually, they, you know, they, there's a, a lot of protection needed. No, absolutely. And I've been sort of trying to get my head around quite why the, the, the Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong is, is underperforming, you know, even the weakness that we're seeing in the mainland Chinese indices. And looking at some of those statistics, it, it's maybe, you know, is offering, you know, at least a partial explanation there. And uh, as I say, whether it's efficacy rates of, of vaccines being used there, or whether it's the, 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 the very, very low vaccination rates amongst the elderly, particularly in Hong Kong, uh, is the reason that we've got sort of fatalities. I guess the statistic is fatalities per million cases, isn't it? And uh, in Hong Kong now, that's exceeded uh, the worst that we've seen in the likes of uh, likes of Italy, um, the UK, Portugal, or Namibia in Africa, I think was the worst, uh, the worst hit uh, part of, uh, of Africa. And, and you look at the charts and, and Hong Kong is, is well above all of those peaks. So, um, you know, I think that is a concern. I've also seen some, uh, some other reports, uh, you know, warning of potential delisting of, uh, of Chinese stocks in, in the US as well. So that may be adding to things. But yeah, looking at that, uh, you know, from peak to trough in, in Hong Kong, as you've just mentioned, over 40% now. So, um, mm. you know, and that is feeding, you know, the mood down here, um, you know, together with the fact that we've seen that the Chinese won, um, you know, weakening quite substantially and seemingly by design with the PBOC, you know, setting its daily fixings for the dollar one exchange rate substantially higher than sort of a pure market market driven level would, would have you believe. So, um, you know, the weakness that yeah. we're seeing in, in emerging Asia and, and now that weakening in the one, I think, uh, helps explain why, you know, Aussie dollar, which was 74 and rising uh, just about a week ago, is now uh, 72 and falling this week. Well, this has all come out of left field, isn't it, really? It's over the last couple of weeks we've seen this big rise in numbers coming out of uh, out of that part of Asia. But back on the wall, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, you used the, it was your words, the forlorn hope that there'd be some sort of resolution. I mean, is there going to be? I mean, you know, it's very simple, isn't it? Putin wants to take things back. Ukraine wants basically the borders as they were before 2014. Putin wants the world to go back to 1991. I don't know whether they're going to find any resolution uh, while, while that's the case. And we had these talks in Rome between China and the US, six hours long, pretty intensive talks. Nothing substantive came out of it, except China has, you know, said we don't want to be caught up in the repercussions of this. Uh, their foreign minister, Wang Ji, uh, said China is not a party to this crisis. We don't want to be in part uh, see sanctions that are going to affect China. Uh, but, you know, it's a very fine line they have to tread. I wonder how successfully they're going to do that. How are they going to pacify Russia, maintain relations with them without upsetting the West? And uh, that, that's got to be a part of all of this uncertainty, hasn't it? Yes, I think is the answer, and I don't have the answer to, to how that's going to play out. But you're right. But China is playing. You know, it's obviously you, know, you go back to the Beijing Olympics, and you know, it almost looked, you'd say that uh, you know Putin was getting the nod of approval from uh, from uh, from um, President Xi. It looked like, but obviously they, they are treading that fine line, and, and and they're not sort of certainly the the, the public mood music, is, uh, if you like, is not uh, you know is not as supportive of, of Russia's actions at the same time. 
you know, they continue to uh, to not condemn Russia outright for uh, for the actions they're taking. So, uh, so how that is going to play out, obviously, remains, you know, a major source of uh, of uncertainty. Yeah, well, given all of this uncertainty, which is all global, why this uh, why this rise in U.S. equities? Then, well, I think prob- probably that the, the weakening that we're seeing in in, in oil prices is, is is somewhat helpful, at least anyway. But um, but certainly it's not being helped by you know bond yields are continuing to hold. So we've had that run up in ten year treasuries to almost to what two fifteen uh, that we had on Monday. And uh, looking at the screen now, I've got two point one five six percent. So um, you know, even if uh, you know. We're seeing a little bit more sort of optimism, if you like, or we're seeing commodity prices coming down. It's certainly doing nothing for the Treasury market, but obviously we're, we're less than 24 hours away from the, from the, from Fed. the Fed decision. So I think that creates a, inevitably a d- degree of inertia there. Which obviously I want to talk about and inflation generally, but very quickly, just while we're on the whole China thing, um, I see the Wall Street Journal reporting overnight that Saudi Arabia is in talks with Beijing to price some of its oil sales to China in yuan. Uh, I'm not sure what we read into that, apart from, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a challenge to the US dollar as the <laughs> eternal worldwide reserve currency. These are interesting times we live in, that's for sure. That's right. I don't think uh, that uh, the, 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 the term petro one is imminent <laughs> in that sense. And, uh, mm. you know, the chances are this is more symbolic than, than anything. But, um, you know, just been, been, been thinking about it a little bit. I mean, chi- uh, roughly 25% of Saudi's oil exports, which I think are about seven and a quarter million barrels, do actually actually go to um, go to China uh, at a hundred dollars a barrel they're, they're paying what 180 million dollars a day for for that oil um, it's probably worth mentioning that you know the the, the internationalization of the yuan and its increasing take up as a reserve currency um, so you know Saudi Arabia you know will have interest in, in, in you know diversifying its reserves I think there is probably a geopolitical angle to this as well that Saudi Arabia has not been um, delighted with the US in, in recent uh, uh, recent quarters particularly in terms of you know giving it confidence about its security concerns and you know, unhappy about, um, about issues relating to you know, U.S. support for Yemen and, and the pullout from Afghanistan, etc. So um, there probably is a little bit of symbolism there, at least. Mm. But um, but say at the same time, it, we're talking about some oil, and if, if Saudi Arabia, for example, decides that it is going to incrementally add to the Chinese currency as a reserve asset, then uh, then why go and you know acquire U.S. dollars to buy oil and then sell some of those dollars for one, for example? Oh, so there is. There's a bit of economic logic there as well. So I think you're but, saying don't um, read too much into it, perhaps at this stage. But. Don't read too much into it, but I, but it, but it does, yeah. I think it is a sign that uh, you know the one as a reserve currency. I think will uh, it will continue to rise. Mm. I was just looking at the numbers, but um, what is it? Two point seven percent of global FX reserves, officially at least, are are in one. Um, so you know, versus what twenty percent for the euro, and still around sixty percent for the US dollar. Yeah. And over time, you can only expect that that is going to increase, and and, and things like. You know, moves towards um, you know maybe transactions in uh, in one for key commodities. Well, it can only add to the sort of internationalisation of still the still a bit of a currency. gap, though. Yeah, it's fair to say. Um, so, yeah. inflation. Let's look at that because is it transitory? Is it uh, ready to run out of control? Uh, we know the Fed has sort of changed their tune on that. Uh, we'll get onto that in a second. But the RBA minutes yesterday show that you know there's some doubts perhaps in the minds of the board at the RBA. 
And then Christine Lagarde was talking overnight as well. There was a business conference in Berlin. She said inflation is still expected to decrease progressively and settle at levels around uh, their 2% inflation target in 2024. So two years, that's transitory, uh, probably by central bank language. Uh, so, you know, we haven't really moved on too much on this, have we? We you know we, 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 everyone still seems to be in the same place. Europe's going, oh, yeah, it's transitory. The Fed's saying, oh, no, we should be worried about it. And the RBA says, can we sit in the middle, please? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of the other quotes from uh, Christine Lagarde is that uncertainty surrounding the outlook has increased. And I assume that yeah. relates both to the economy and also to inflation. So although the, um, you know, the forecast is still saying that, uh, you know, we're going to get back down to that 2%. And, uh, and uh, Christine Lagarde's equivalent of the, you know, whatever it takes uh, mantra from Mario Draghi from years back that was in relation to the sanctity of the euro is more in, in the sense of we'll do whatever it takes to, to ensure the price stability. Um, so to some extent, I don't think that gets us any further forward in terms of saying, you know, is it likely that the ECB could be lifting interest rates uh, before the end of the year? I still think there's a there's a fair chance that is going to be the case. But um, same time on inflation, we've got the US uh, producer price numbers um, in headline terms, yeah. you know, double digits. But the core number, you know, really surprised to the downside. So the first signs, perhaps, of some you know, easing in pressures there, although I think there is a bit of a quirk that... Um, you know, when petrol prices go up, the margins of petrol retailers get squeezed, and that comes that actually negatively impacts PPI. But uh, a bit convoluted for this time of the morning, at least, anyway. But um, but PPI very much driven by you know a, a, the jump in gasoline prices that there are almost fifteen percent, I think, in the month. Uh, also, food prices rising, which is obviously uh, you know a, a familiar theme globally, of course, that is going to keep headline inflation rates are high or higher in the uh, in in the period ahead at least but say just a little bit of encouragement may be drawn from those uh, from those core numbers well, we'll see when we what the dot points are. Um, this time tomorrow, we'll know. Um, we, everyone's expecting a twenty-five basis point hike. The question is, what's what's the rest of the year going to look like? I guess there's uh, not too much to say about that, except we'll find out, won't we, tomorrow? Uh, and it's looking out beyond that as to uh, as to how the dynamics change beyond beyond tomorrow. Oh, I think so. No, I think it's not the it's not the uh, the twenty-five basis point done deal. It's very much you know what happens with the uh, the so-called dot plot in how many. Rate hikes is are the uh, is the consensus for for the course of this year, but I think more. You know, what about twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four? Is the Fed going to shift up? You know, its estimate of the sort of long term rate, or it's been stuck at two and a half percent for a couple of years now. So, you know, I think yeah. it really is. You know, how high do we think rates might ultimately go? Um, yeah. You know, and how quickly might they arrive? So, I think there'll be there'll be plenty of. Uh, of, uh, of stuff to digest in uh, tomorrow's mm. podcast. No and we have, of course, the Canada CPI numbers as well out later on today after those uh, stellar numbers that we saw for employment on Friday. So we've got that. But yes, it's really the Fed, isn't it? First thing tomorrow morning. We'll be here bright and early for that. Just on those Canada CPI numbers, I mean, we'll look at the average of the three core measures. Um, they're expected to be up again, I think, from what, 5.1 to 5.5. And if that's the case, following, as you say, those, those um, stonking Labour market numbers last Friday, I think we'll see market pricing uh, for the next, uh, what, 13th of April Bank of Canada meeting move further towards a 50-point uh, rate hike. I think it was about 40 basis point priced as of uh, you know, as of yesterday's close, at least anyway. So that'd certainly be a, a focal point together with those retail sales numbers, which, you know, are expected to show a further increase. So let's remember that these are nominal numbers, not real numbers. So, um, you know, that they're being affected by high prices, at least. But I do suggest that we should continue to watch what uh, U.S. consumers do rather than what they say in the form of, uh, you know, those very weak University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Surveys from last week. 
no one really knows do they have far inflation is going to go that's another thing to watch in amongst everything else uh, good to talk anyway Ray catch you again soon well thanks Phil and that's it that's the morning call for this uh, Wednesday morning I'm Phil Dobby for now back again uh, tomorrow morning see you then